This is Tom Trebojevic, fullback for the Manly Ringer Seagulls, and you're listening to the Supercoach Champions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. So, you thought round one was a nightmare. Round two kindly asked us to hold its beer as another round of low scores, underperforming captains, injuries and suspensions continue the rough start to the season for so many veteran players. I blame having COVID for my decisions, but with me tonight is a bloke who can't use COVID as an excuse for his terrible performance. It's Wilf. How you going, mate? Yeah, uh, uh, zero excuses for me. I'm just going to count this as, a, you know, the, the classic, it's a marathon, not a sprint. My team's looking all right. I reckon I'll, I'll be able to pull it back in the long run. Very, very nice. So I don't have the courage to tell us everyone how bad we're doing, mate. It's going to have to be up to you. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll fess up. So I only scored 872. I dropped another 3,000 spots, which isn't too much. But when you're, you're already in the 60,000s to begin with, it's not great. So, yeah, that's me in the 64,000s. Uh, look, in positive news, Tim, uh, who's not obviously joining us tonight, he had a great week. He's jumped up uh, 35,000 spots in one week with a 981. He's around the 31,000s. Guy also had a good week. Unfortunately, yeah, a bit of a late out from him tonight, so it's a bit of a bummer. But, uh, yeah, 934 from him. He jumped up almost 20,000 spots. He's around 48,000. And, yeah, unfortunately, so you still cracked 900, so well done. And you actually went up ranking-wise, so you're 74,000. <laughs> I cracked 900. Here's a participation certificate. Thanks for that, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, look, we've got to go quick shout-out to our champs, though. So we have Scott, coach of Eidwog. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he's ranked 2,761, had a good week. And Liam, also the coach of Myria's World in 2,872. So... Yeah, hopefully we can keep pushing those champs further up the board. <laughs> like we always say, do as we advise and not as we do, obviously. Yeah, for God's sake, don't do not do what we're doing right now. Um, okay, so look, enough of the uh, staring at our belly buttons and, and commiserating on our poor scores, mate. Let's go to the news for the week. All right, we'll kick it off with the fact that it is officially the NRL multicultural round this week. So we might see a variety of different cultures being celebrated throughout the round in the various games. So, yeah, it'll be cool there. Uh, Dally M leaderboard. Can you believe that Isaiah Yo? Uh, well, you probably believe him. He's on six votes. But Jake Clifford, amazingly, six votes. Tied Dally M leader. Can you believe that? It's the guy that you convinced me not to bring in and instead bring Jackson Hastings in. How did that work out for us, mate? Not so good, not at all. But look, to be fair, Jake Clifford has had many seasons now of irrelevance and somehow he's leading Dallium. He's got the Knights at the top of the table. Uh, the Broncos are also a top three team at the moment, so what can I say? It's just one of those crazy, crazy seasons. Hell has frozen over. But as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Will, Plenty of ins and outs, plenty of underperformers, injured uh, suspension guys. So we'll have a, a quick go through those now. So Ray Stone, Tom Gilbert and Joe Offerhand-Gowway have grade one offences and all fined. That's, uh, you know, with the new 
rules that were dropped uh, on the eve of the season around the ju- judiciary that most grade one, I think, is it most or all grade one offences are just fines at the moment? Yeah, I think actually all of it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, even shoulder charging, apparently, if it's a grade one offence, it's still only a fine. Go figure. That's crazy. George Burgess also charged with a grade one dangerous contact and a grade five dangerous contact off the field. Um, And he's been charged by the police, bails issued, and he's got caught next month. Look, just write him off. I think uh, it may be a while until old Gurgis takes the field. Some implications for St. George Illawarra, I guess, in the middles there, but we'll get to that when we go through teams. Uh, Teague Wilton, who was a bit of a smoky for a few um, people on their radar for around three trade-ins, taken an early guilty plea on dangerous contact, misses a week. And uh, my boy Jackson Hastings, grade two dangerous throw. He's just failed uh, to get that downgraded at the judiciary and misses three weeks. So um, that's a bit of a shocker. Makes him a trade out for the Surge Busters. Mitchell Dunn's done his ACL, as has Josh Hodgson. Very unfortunate for him, but Starling season for you, Wolf. Yeah, I mean, clearly when I traded in Tom Starling, I anticipated Hodgson's, uh, you know, two to three two to three week injury suddenly developing into a partial ACL tear that would rule them out for the season. Clearly, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not proud of it, but I was death riding Starling <laughs> during that game because I'm like, no, will come accidentally be benefiting from all of this, uh, and I guess it kind of works. Starling 39, he was terrible. Look, to be fair, I think that's just karma for you, isn't it? You were death riding him during the game, so the benefit is I get him all season now. I, I dare you to run with Starling all season. Well, look, maybe we can f- come back to it, but I honestly think he could be, if he's going to keep getting 60 to 65 minutes or thereabouts, I mean, which other hooker is standing up besides Harry Grant right now? Right now it's a challenge, isn't it? Even the Reed Marnies of the world um, just aren't doing the business. So, look, there's definitely worse options at 343K. Uh, an unfortunate supercoach gun that's going to miss uh, six to eight weeks, Brian Toto. The good news is that that opens up a spot for Taylor May as another cheapie in a couple of weeks' time. Lachlan Fitz-Nibben looks like he's out for the best part of a month uh, with a knee injury, brings Mitchell Barnett on to the edge, which is uh, good for me in draft. Callum Ponger. So, sorry, I do need to jump in there just because a bit of an inside joke with uh, Fitzgibbon there. We're not mispronouncing his name. Obviously, for those who follow tonight, you see that big NIB that big NIB logo in the middle of their jersey. So, yeah, Fitzgibbon in our Champs Discord has been renamed Fitznibbon. Yeah, that's why Joe keeps mispronouncing his name. Yeah, sure. Okay, inside joke. There we go. Ponga and uh, Clemmer have knee concerns with Ponga's back. Connor Watson's uh, shoulders playing up. Andrew McCulloch's out uh, for a while. Uh, he might be back next week, but in buys kind of filling in uh, at hooker there. So Tilly Tupanua has been named, but, um, you know, had HIA issues. Tua Lungi's out because of the quick turnaround for the Tigers, as and as is uh, Ronaldo Militalo. Oh, a few more injuries. Mitchell Moses, Nick Kotrick, uh, both named, but nursing quad injuries. Uh, Scott Sorensen's got a bung wrist. And Vanua Blake, I didn't know about this, Wilf, has uh, an arm or a hand injury. Yeah, it was right at the end of the game, so... He didn't look in look like he was in much comfort there, but in the end, he he obviously must be fine, assuming he's been named and should be good to go. So the surge buses are in all sorts. If he's out, I am absolutely down to the bare bones, even with a couple of trades. So uh, oh, come on, don't you have the the kings that you could play easily? 
Yeah, I, King is a starter at this stage, isn't he? Well, I'm already playing one king, and I guess with Harry Grant out, it might be double king. So, yeah, if, if AFB's out, I'm going to have to really... I mean, I might have to play Billy Smith or, or something like that, which is which is getting getting nasty. So no wonder I'm in a 75,000th. But let's go through a few more numbers with our new Crunch in the Numbers segment. All right, so we have to thank Karma McGrath Accountant as again for sponsoring the segment. If you want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it does come to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. So look, last week I was looking at penalty numbers, errors, all that type of stuff. You know, it wasn't a surprise. Tries scored were down. Now this week I'm looking at Supercoach scoring. Obviously, you know, we know it's down. It's, it's no surprise. Uh, the question mark is, is it purely just because of attacking stats? We saw last week only three players pass 100. In round two, only four players and those passing 100, that's literally 100, 101, 102 for three of those four scores. Last year, again, around 2021, we had 10 100-plus scores in round one and eight in round two. So we're certainly well down. Now, as always, like I said, I don't mind a deep dive into some numbers. I've done that. So I've looked at the attacking stats. So we're looking at try score, try assist, try contributions, line breaks, and line break assist. That's what I consider to be your major attacking stats. So in round one and two combined for 2022 season, we've got 4,969 uh, attacking stat points. Compare that to round one and two in 2021, that's 5,249 supercoach points that are from those five categories of stats. Realistically, it's only 280 points difference and breaking it down. So there were eight more tries scored last year, eight more tries, makes sense, 12 less try contributions, eight more line breaks and two more line break assists in 2021. So when you break it down like that across two rounds, it's actually not that much difference. Now, uh, looking at time and play, and again, I've been borrowing what I can from rugby league eye test uh, there, but... There's nothing significant from what I've seen. Maybe it's because the time waiting for penalties being taken this year, uh, maybe that's offset by less waiting for conversion attempts, you know, with the less tries scored. But, yeah, nothing really significant there. I mean, does any of this make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Look, it does. As always, these things are exacerbated by the fact that the popular super coach players and certainly the players that have done it consistently in the last season, maybe season and a half since PVL ball came in, haven't gotten much in the way of attacking stats. You know, um, whether it's captaining Tedesco in, in week one or captaining Turbo, you know, last week, the anticipated or the expected scores, particularly in good, ma- you know, decent matchups haven't been there and that just shines, you know, puts a real spotlight on the fact that scoring is down across the board. I can't look, you know, time in play stats. I mean, when there's a penalty blown and you know, people are taking a breather and taking their time to, to kick the ball out, that's kind of, I guess, seconds in play. So I, I can understand why the actual stat itself isn't, yeah, hasn't moved the needle too much, but the pace is, is significantly slower. I mean, I actually prefer it from a rugby league you know, talk about the eye test um, point of view. I think the games have been largely very entertaining and we haven't had those ridiculous blowouts in previous years, but it significantly impacts Supercoach and, and our scores and our strategy. 
Yeah, I just think it's really interesting because obviously, you know, the expectation when I dove, dove into this, I thought the difference between the attacking stats scored between the two years would be greater because obviously the feeling is there are uh, so there's such a sharp drop in the, uh, I guess, points scored. And I wonder maybe it's just because in 2021, maybe it was later in the season when these absolutely premium price guns like your turbos, Cody Walkers and stuff started going ballistic. So maybe... The gap in rounds one and two aren't that great, but the gap's going to really widen as we get deeper into the season. But yeah, I just thought, like I said, just a bit of a dive into that. You know, we've obviously talked about, and we'll probably keep talking about this, but maybe the changes in terms of who might be guns this year, at least for the early rounds, and maybe this will change as the season develops too. Um, just real quickly, I, again, obviously I talked about penalty numbers, things like that last week. Just a quick recap. So 12.5 penalties and 3.8 set restarts in round one. That's at 12.6 for round two and 3.5 set restarts as well. So pretty similar. And it feels like it's going to be around that number for the most part. And again, comparing that to 2021, 6.9 and 7.1 penalties and set restarts in round one, 6.8 and 6.9 in round two last year. So yeah, I do think that's going to, that trend's going to continue. So I think we're going to see similar type of football for the time being. Yeah, that's enough crunching of the numbers. We have to thank Carl McGrath Accountant again. You can find him on Facebook at Carl McGrath Accountant or on Twitter. He's at Carl M Accountant. Definitely get in contact with Carl. Like I said, he doesn't just do tax returns. He can help you out with any of your bookkeeping or accounting needs for individual small businesses or self-managed super funds. Definitely mention the Supercoach Champions podcast when you get in touch with Carl. He'll look after you with pricing. And it will probably uh, chew your ear off a bit about Supercoach 2. Let's, let's be honest, Carl is doing better than you and I. There's <laughs> no true. doubt. So if you want, want Supercoach advice, also go to Carl. Yeah, that's a good shout. And, and finally, Carl did want to thank all the listeners who trusted him with their work last year. And from all reports, they were pretty happy with him too. So that's all good. All right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit at the strategy for this week. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. All right, Wilf. So there's no magic wand for your team or my team. It's just going to be hard work and, and the application of elbow grease to, to turn our seasons around. So what's the priority? What should be the priority for anyone who hasn't had a magic start to the year? Is it is it cash at this point as it usually, you know, is a big consideration, particularly, you know, with the prices changing for the first time? Or is it just about, you know, playing catch up and getting points on the board? I think for me, I've always been round three before price changes uh, kick in. You know, it's always been about the cheapies, making sure you've got all the must-haves as much as possible, making sure you've got your cash generation set up for the rest of the season. Because sure, it sucks to start off slow, but at the end of the day, if you can build up value and you can strengthen your 17 sooner rather than later because your team's worth more than others, that'll help you catch up a lot faster than just focusing on getting your guns in. And you might catch up in the short term, but you might end up losing out long term because you haven't got that cash flowing from early on. Now, one thing I definitely think is for this year, like a lot of these GPs that we got in, like, you know, the likes of Ilias, you know, we thought, how could he go wrong? But he's not going very well right now. That cash might be really slow to come in. Uh, Schneider obviously missed a week already and that's going to delay his cash generation by a week. And look, he's looking like a pretty good cheapie uh, based off round one and hopefully round two, he's going to score similarly. And if he does, he could be one of the best money earners for this season. You know, Randall's gone off to an okay start, but he feels like he's going to be really slow burn. He's only got a slight negative break even this week and he'll jump up in price. And 
you know, a lot of the must-have cheapies we thought were were going to take we're going to take off in price, and they, they just haven't done that. I think for me, that's going to be my priority: making sure the cash is set up. I, I think so because, and again, I flagged this in preseason because so many, you know, with all the injuries and suspensions last year, so many young guys got their debut last year when they may not have in a, in a more normal year, which means that they're not starting at the 175K. There's so many of the cheapies are in the 250, 280, you know, kind of range because they got blooded last year. And what that means effectively is that the cash generation for those cheapies just isn't going to be the same as it is this year. Now, combine that with the fact that we've got the score, the sharp drop-off of the scoring with the likes of Turbo with the you know, astronomical break even, same with David Fafita and all those kind of, you know, premium guns. I think cash generation is going to be what makes or breaks the season this year. And I think, you know, while we say that, there's, there's got to be a balance, right? Because you can't sacrifice everything for cash. You still want to be able to balance your points generation too. You need the points flowing in. So, you know, there's obviously a number of options out there of players that might be underpriced based off what they did in 2021. And we might talk about a few names shortly, but I think most of us are probably burning our first trade boost this week, right? That It's going to be my first trade boost. Um, I know some people used one last week, so maybe they're burning two. I, I think that's fine. If you need to burn a second one, then burn a second one. I, I think you're better off getting your team nice and set as much as possible. And if you've already used two trade boosts by round four, then just you know try to be more disciplined in the coming weeks. Hopefully, you know, the two trade boosts have actually helped your team be set up so that you're going to be, you know, going strongly. Like, I definitely think you should you should consider it, basically. I think so. It's much more important early on to get your team right, which is, again, it's the blend of cash generation and points. But if you've got a dud there or you're like me and you bring a Jackson Hastings in last week only for him to, you know, get suspended for three weeks, well, you, you have to move on. You can't have a Jackson Hastings. You can't have guys that are going to be out for a few weeks, either both not scoring your points or generating your cash. I mean, this is that critical part of the season where you, it basically determines whether you're in with a shot um, of finishing up the, the, the pointy end. So, you know, at the moment, the, the trade's probably more important. And I know that changes as the season goes on and it gets gets uh, pretty tight from a trade perspective, but no point holding on to trades if you're going to be sitting around, you know, 80, 100,000 with no real way to dig yourself out because you don't have the cash and and you're just too far behind. Do you think then, like, because cash generation is important, do we need to also shield ourselves from cash loss? So, for example, if you've got someone like a Sean Russell still that you could trade out to, let's say, a Zach Lomax or whatever, like you want that player because you think they're on the price of what they're going to do. So, in a sense, they, they might make some money too by getting him at their lowest price. That's one option. Or do you then focus on maybe like with Angus Crichton, instead of trading Russell to Lomax, maybe you've got to go at Crichton out instead because you're worried he's going to lose money. Like, Would that be the, the way you'd look at it? Or Yeah, I, I think you know there, there have been a few, and I won't say failed cheapies. Um, Sean Russell I don't think is a failed cheapie because he scored so well he just happened to get injured. But he's going to be out for a little while longer and that's a decent chunk of change that's kind of sitting in your CTW unspent and, and not productive. You've got a few underperforming guns now. Turbo someone will get to, but you mentioned Angus Crichton. He's got triple figures break even. He's just been named on the bench. 
I've got a sneaking suspicion that may change. Uh, you know, he may come into the starting lineup, but for the moment, we have to treat it at face value that he's been benched. David Fafita's the same. I mean, I captained him last week. Clearly, I think, you know, he's got high ceiling potential uh, for obvious reasons, but his break-even, I think, is 128. That's 750 grand that you can use spread across three trades if you're using the trade boost to really get your team right. And that's what I'm looking for, looking at the moment. It's it's one of the two, but I'll probably move for Fita because he's, he's another 100 grand with a higher break-even to basically get you know, the the kind of whether it's a mid-ranger or get my cheapies set and, you know, cull a little bit of that deadwood. So I, I guess in, in looking at that then, like, do you take that as an opportunity to maybe also look at fixing, I mean, calling calling certain things mistakes is, is probably a bit strong at this stage, but you know, in my eyes, not having Payne Haas, that's probably a mistake. You know, such a highly owned player that is right now head and shoulders above everything else at front row forward. Like to me, getting Haas would be a priority to fix that, like, do you look at trading out, like, Angus Crichton to Haas? I think that sounds like a good trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you are pocketing 60 grand, and it's obviously the 60 grand plus the fact that if you held, hold on to Crichton, he, he's going to lose uh, value. But but that's where you can use that 60 grand to upgrade a, a Nanai or move from a Momosia to a Josh King or, or something like that. So, I mean, that's the money that can be decisive in, in getting you to to tweak and get get your side right. So because it's not just about, you know, that one trade, it's, it's Crichton for, um, for, for Haas, it's what that money en- enables you to do. And again, you know, I use the term mistakes, but, but they're just situations where, You've got a bit of deadwood or a suboptimal option in your team, and sixty grand can be the real difference um, in getting someone up to again, like a Josh King who who looks great, certainly more than a Mama's here. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I guess sometimes that's where you might want to balance. Like, sure, the temptation is there to go for all the negative break-even guys, but there's something to be said for getting someone who, you know, maybe again, look, I'm going to throw the name out uh, of Isaiah Yo. Given what we're seeing, maybe if scoring's reverting back to like 2020 type scoring, and if Yo being you know one of the best players in 2020 for Super Coach, like if he gets back to his 2020 levels, if he averages 65 or 70, like right now you can pick him up for much cheaper than that. So sometimes there's a there's there's an argument that suggests that rather than jumping on the cheapy alone this week, you get on someone like Isaiah Yo who might go up 80 to 120 grand as well just naturally and could end up being a season keeper. I guess that's the fine balance you got to find, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's almost the anti-David Fafita, isn't he, where it's his work rate that gets him his points but, you know, rarely gets an attacking stat now that he's moved um, to the lock roll. Um, and ironically, I'm turning Fafita into Yo and using that 250 grand to, to fix up this other positions. So, look, I, I do think what, while I'm loath to suggest that the pace of the game is going to be this way for the whole rest of the year because with PBL in charge, who the hell knows, right? The rule changes could come next week and all of a sudden everything changes. But based on what we what we have observed in the past two weeks, we are going to see a, a, a massive drop-off in scoring, a shift more to the base, which means that players that you've bought, and this includes, you know, with Cleary being named on an extended bench, 
you know, is he going to represent value? People who want to rush uh, to bring him in at 950k. I, I think these premium, premium price players, they're, you know, Turbo could drop 500 grand. It's, it's, it's not out of the question that he's going to drop half a million bucks. And gee, that money could be useful in other situations. And, and if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. Yeah, look, you mentioned trading out Dev Feeder, so let's talk about that. Because I, my initial reaction after captaining him on the weekend as well was that I going to give him you know the, the good old solid rage trade as soon as lockout ended, and I did trade him out, and I felt good. But then I traded him back in after I reversed my trades, and I felt it's the core like, super coach experience, the rage trade before <laughs> the reversal. That's right, and, and I just thought, like, can I really trade out this guy who? Sure, we look at his tries that he scored last year and things like that, but I just don't think he necessarily was the beneficiary of... I don't think the tries he scored were necessarily through being used in a certain way. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think he was benefiting from playing next to Jamal Fogarty or or anything like that. Uh, He scored a a fair chunk of his tries through just picking up the ball from dummy half. Or or just having or early ball, yeah. Yeah, so I just think, yeah, sure, he needs to get the ball. And then, you know, we, we had our venting about Jaden Campbell being a bit of a ball hog and Aaron Clark likes to pass right to left instead of left to right. And obviously, David Feeder is on the right edge at the moment. Aaron Clark's a modern-day Michael Leisha, by the way. He's a hooker who can only pass in one direction. Like, my oh, gosh. gosh. I, hope, I, hope, I hope Mr. Clark doesn't listen to a podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have someone else going after you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good times. Good times, indeed. Uh, look, I just think surely the Titans can't keep doing what they're doing. Sure, they won, but I think at the end of the day, like they would be, it would be a, a foolish decision to not give him the ball because you could see he wanted the ball too. It's not like he didn't want it, but he didn't want it enough to maybe run to the other side of the field and take the ball off someone else. I guess that's, that's probably one way you could look at it. But to me, I just feel like it, you know, he scored a hat-trick in the first half in, in at least two of the games last year from memory. So it's not about, like, just waiting for fatigue to kick in and then scoring, you know, bulk tries at the end of a game. Like, he's obviously able to just do it whenever he feels like it. I just, yeah, it makes me really antsy to trade him out. And I, I mean, do you think he's going to finish the season as a top three back rower? Potentially, but but what I'm thinking is that you think of Fafita of two years ago when he was a popular start for the Broncos, the challenge with him was he had a high ceiling, but it was attacking stats and almost no base. And he was kind of at the high end of mid-range, I think, or maybe low 500Ks if memory serves me right, two years ago. And obviously the pace of the game changed and for those weeks before he got injured, he was doing really well. But but if the game's down to kind of 2019 pace or 2020 pace, um, I think he reverts back to that kind of A minus B plus option that is heavily dependent on attacking stats. And if they don't come, he gets in the 30s or 40s. Um, and at 745K, I think he is. If we're looking to shore up other positions, I mean, again, it, it, there's there's every chance he drops 200k. So uh, I guess just uh, you mentioned 2020. So just looking at it, obviously playing for the Broncos, he was playing 80 minutes, and and there was a bit of a gap because I think there was an injury in there somewhere. But eight games, 80 minutes, he averaged 66.4. That's while scoring just three tries. So 
obviously, you know, at his 2021 strike rate, that would be higher. Uh, I just feel like, yeah, sure, he's not probably not going to hit his current current average that, that he's priced at, so inevitably he will lose some cash. I'm just wondering, you know, is it possible that it evens out as a 70, 72, 73 average come end of this season? The fact is, yes, he's a little bit older. He's fitter, supposedly. He looks fitter anyway. Uh, doesn't necessarily translate right now work rate rise, uh, work rate wise. But I, I don't know. I just my gut's kind of telling me I, I will regret it if I sell him. So I'm kind of leaning just to hold him. And if he really bombs, then like, if he can't do it against the Raiders, right? Maybe that's yeah. when I think about yeah, okay, I, I got to let him go. But then he's got the Tigers next week. Like <laughs> oh, I don't know. Look, yeah, yeah, and and that's the issue with Fafita, just like it is with Trebojevic, where you just you know, it's it's uh, it's white knuckle uh, stuff being a non-owner. But again, you talked about Isaiah Yo, who is consistent as it gets, and even with a line break assist and try assist. So I mean, that's a pretty nice chunk of attacking stats. Fafita only got fifty four on the weekend. Isaiah Yo, with no attacking stats, is you know pretty decently outpointing him, and you can bank two hundred and fifty k this week. I mean, yeah, it's pretty I, I totally get that appeal. <laughs> totally get that appeal. That was my original trade too. And in the end, I've, I'm still getting Isaiah Yo in, but I want to also keep Fafita. <laughs> I want the best of both worlds. Can I have that? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I think you mentioned you mentioned his name. It's trouble time. Yeah, I found another drop. <laughs> So yes, now now every time you mention his name, you got to wait while I press that button. Sure. <laughs> All right. So look, is Turbo a trade out? You know, he is the he's the epitome of 2021, isn't he? Basically, his score, his average, his price tag epitomizes what we saw last year. And if there's a player that's been affected the most right now, I think you know Turbo's in the top five there. <laughs> his break even. What about it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. It ain't great. The 307, I, I think that that's easily – there may have been a low 200s for someone in at some stage in the past, um, which was just, oh, my God. But to break the 300 barrier for a break even is just – I don't know, I'm shocked. But, but this was the stuff that we talked about in preseason. I mean, forget the pace of the game stuff. He is 500 – He's half a million dollars more expensive than Tedesco, and there is every chance that he's going to drop 500k in price. And and given that we've talked about the the, the likely issues with cash generation com- compared to previous years, certainly compared to last year, like that that 500k is worth so much more than it ever has been. I, I just think it's it's too much of a risk to hold on to him because. Frankly, the Bulldogs are really solid defensively, so people who are buying him hoping to ride out the tough two matchups in the first two weeks because it would be a bonanza against the Dogs, I think we all know that's not going to necessarily be the case. And he just hasn't the eye test. He's just not, you know, manly or just dysfunctional in attack at the moment. It was just like there was some worrying signs as well. Like he kind of looked like early in the game he limped a little bit. Must have maybe copped a knock or something, but he just didn't look great. And then it was relatively ineffective when he got the ball for most of the game. And then at the end of the game, he was limping again. So, yeah, look, I think, you know, we again, in prison, we said, come round three against the Bulldogs, you're going to find it so hard, so much harder to trade him out. But right now, 5% of super coaches have done that. 
done just that. And honestly, like, I think just the price tag alone, the the break even, like we, what's the highest score so far this season? It's like 114, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, like, sure, even if Turbo brains it, like he might struggle to crack 130 and that's still 170, 170 points. Oh, gosh. And even, I think, even yeah. if he gets 130, he will continue to hemorrhage money after this week anyway. I mean, he's priced it up yeah. at, what, 143 average. He's averaging 51, and and frankly, that's about as good as he's looked. You know, it's not that he's been really unlucky or there's been bomb tries or, you know, video ref things or, or, or stuff like that. He's looked like a 51-point average super coach player. Yeah, maybe, maybe I feel like that's a little bit harsh. I don't think he's he will improve. Bad. No, he'll improve, obviously, but but so much of it's dependent on how well Manly's firing as well, and 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 they're just they are misfiring. Yeah, and again, right now on on the evidence of what we've seen from rounds one and two, the Bulldogs might beat them this week. Oh baby, honestly. oh baby! <laughs> Not to get your hopes up, but <laughs> <laughs> I was excited in the Discord uh, for the Broncos Bulldogs game, as you could probably tell. But um, I'm not uh, I'm not so sad that we went down. I'm, I'm absolutely enthused by how well the Bulldogs are playing, and particularly defensively as well. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win. Yeah, so let's let's move on um, to to wrap up this section. I think, like we highlighted, I, we both are of the opinion we need to make sure we've set up our team properly and, and got those cash generators. So, look, I think we don't need to talk about Randall. I'm pretty sure most people listening to us have him already. Max King, like he is probably the number one front row forward cheaper. You've got to have him now. Josh King, I'm not sure as much now. Um, just. There might have been another option that's popped up, Leo Thompson, because of the Clemmer injury that we talked about a bit earlier. Um, his job security might be a little bit more secure, and he is bottom dollar. So, you know, if you've got Josh King already, then great. Then I think you're you're well set up, and he's obviously you know very playable in your 17 at this stage. But yeah, if you if you're getting another front row forward cheap, yeah, I wonder if Leo Thompson might actually be a good shout. Yeah, I think so. I mean, most people had him behind Mamacia in the in the pecking order, but he's a big, big boy that clearly is you know in the middle rotation ahead of Mamacia. 175k. I guess it's the decision point would be, and again, they're they're not jewels, but but whether it's him or, or McDonald from the Storm, both is 175k base price. Assuming people aren't going to bring both in, do do you have a preference between those two? I just feel like you probably uh, again. It just I'm not sure what you would have in your front row forward already, but like I'm just kind of thinking if you've got someone like a Tanoa Brown or whatever at 270k, I'd really happily downgrade him to Leo Thompson, free up almost 100k, and possibly get someone who's going to make you know much more money than Tanoa Brown was going to make. Basically, that's what I'm thinking. But look, it just it really does depend on your team setup. Like it wouldn't make sense for me because I've got the two kings in my on my bench. And Haas and Fanua Black, there's no reason I would look at Leo Thompson's way, basically. Mm. And Alec McDonald is definitely on the radar for me in that sense. Uh, but outside of that, so Tui Lange, I'm sure we most most of us have him already. Obviously, he's missing this week, but he looks very... He's going to be fine. Like Even playing at 50 minutes before he got knocked out, he still scored 30-something, so feels like he's going to be there. We've mentioned his name a few times now, Alec McDonald. Obviously, he's second row forward only playing for the Storm, but he's effectively a prop. He's playing middle. I think that actually may mean he gets dual position later. I mean, that'll be pretty handy. Mm. Uh, but bottom dollar, you know, nice 
little little bit of a negative break even. I mean, he looks pretty good too. Found a couple of tackle busts, found an offload last week. I'm pretty keen. I think he's, and Wacko mentioned this, I think Alec McDonald has that spot on merit. Um, and, you know, with the struggles that the Storm have at the moment, they need that. You know, they, they need the middles, basically. So And right now he's the first middle off the bench. That'll change when Cheese comes back. Josh King will be the first middle off the bench, but but I don't think his spot is in any danger. And how much more can you ask out of a 175k cheapie? You know, he's clearly ahead of Morala, so it'll be Morala that drops off. And you've got to anticipate, you know, 35 to 45 minutes. And again, 175k cheapie, get him in. Yeah, I mean, I think he could easily average 30 for a couple of weeks and that should be enough for him to make enough coin to justify the downgrade and you know it might time out well for when maybe a Brendan Brendan Piakura shows up later or whatever and can be a downgrade option again free out more money and keep that cycle going so yeah I think he's a genuine option to consider look Brad Schneider most of us have him already uh, I, I genuinely think he's worth hanging on to I I was reasonably happy with what I saw in round one obviously not great that he missed round two but I mean, he scored 45, and obviously there's 16 points of goal kicking, but that's great. Like for a, for a rookie half, you know, base and base attack of 36, if he can bang out 40s to 50s just like that, uh, I think he's going to make a lot of money if he gets going, yeah, basically. Mo- most of us have him, and who on earth would you be moving him for uh, at this point, you know, based on what it costs to, to move up to someone else? So, yeah, he's a... He's a, a set and forget, and, and with good matchups, you, you, you play him in your 17 because he's got the goal kicking, which which probably puts him over the edge of some of the other cheapies. Um, a guy I really like from an eye test perspective, and, and it's pretty much all base, I believe, um, is is Penasini. 255K. Again, he is quite popular, but you know, at the same uh, time, there are quite a few super coaches I know that just couldn't fit him in because of the plethora of, uh, of, of cheapies in the position. Is he someone you want to bring in? For me, he's an every every week start. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I've stupidly benched him last week. Uh, and yeah, easily. I'm not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> Although, as I say that, I'm thinking, should I play him against the Storm this week? But um, look, his base is fantastic. So I think, you know, if you don't have him for some reason, I, I reckon I would prioritize getting him in because the moment he scores an attacking stat, He's going to bang out a 70-plus score, I reckon. Yep, and again, you know, that kind of cash generation at a premium, so I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Targo is an obvious one, most popular player in the game. What about Billy Smith? Now, I've started him the last two weeks purely based on, you know, the, the Roosters' attacking potential. Certainly haven't seen it. Now he's on the wing. I mean, if you've got him, I don't think you're trading him out, but you're not playing him, right? Well, this is the thing. Like now, he's on the wing. He's actually on that treasured right wing for the Roosters. That's what was really appealing for a lot of people. You know, you look at the likes of Brett Morris, Matt Nicavallo, how many tries they scored there. I genuinely think he's more compelling. Like I'd definitely hang on to him. He outscored his price tag, I think, just in base and base attack last week, and it wasn't fantastic. But you know, you get the feeling he's going to cross sooner rather than later. Uh, it might even be this week. We saw the Rabbitohs struggle a fair bit. I mean, Coates scored on them. Last week, I get the Rabbitohs made a bit of a change at left centre, so that might change things. But Tane Milne is not a defensive powerhouse at all. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely a hold. He's even a viable player this week. Yeah, it's my just guess. just my luck if I bench him this week after playing for the first two weeks. That's how it goes, right? Um, but we've obviously gone into lots of detail there. Uh, let's take a quick break. 
Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist hygiene, are turning men's shower dreams into their favourite routine with the all-new Ultra Premium Collection. This all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundles designed to upgrade the everyday man's shower routine from head to toe. Your skin, hair and balls deserve this. Save big by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. So let me walk you through the Manscaped shower routine. Step one, lather on the cologne-infused ultra-premium body wash with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean and moisturized all day. Step two, it's hair care time. Apply the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner that cleanses and nourishes in one step. Step three, once you hop out of the shower, protect yourself from body odor by applying the Manscaped aluminium-free deodorant. The deodorant dries clear and is also cologne-infused. Step four, have tattoos or dry skin? Let's hit your skin with the hydrating body moisturizer spray. Step five, apply the Manscaped lip balm. It's a free gift when you purchase the Ultra Premium Collection. And last but not least, we're using the Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer to clean off any unwanted body hair. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. It's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. It's time to get wet and clean with your new Manscaped shower routine. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations, the rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. Alrighty, Wilf, so spoken plenty about ins and outs, the strategy around what the hell we're going to do in round three as it applies to points and cash generation. Want to go through the team lists and, and anything that jumps out uh, that's of note to us, starting with the Thursday night game, Dragons and, and Sharks. Obviously, a bit of an off-field distraction with George Burgess and McCulloch being out. Um, not sure it really moves the needle from a super coach point of view for the Dragons. I guess the only question mark is how's Moses and Bayer going to go at hooker playing potentially 80 minutes? You look at that team list, there's no one there that's really going to spell him from what I can see. Yeah, don't get me started on Moses and Bayer. I love the guy. I think he's unfairly uh, tarnished um, by what happened at the Tigers. I, I do really rate him. He's just one of those guys that is a, a 7 out of 10 in about four positions, but gets punished because he's not an 8 or 9 out of 10 in any one position. So, look, McCulloch's elbow um, is not considered a long-term injury. So, look, I think it's interesting from a real-life NRL perspective. I'm not sure that there's much of the super coach implications. Yeah, I just it's more like defensively. Surely the Sharks are just going to run at him non-stop, tire him out, and, you know, hopefully see the Dragons service suffer <laughs> because there's no one else who can play uh, hooker there aside from Ben Hunt. I mean... Yeah, I guess do they put Jack Devellin <laughs> Jack Devellin at halfback again? Like uh, how many was it was it Paul McGregor? Yeah. I, it was. I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah, I mean the dragons and Hook's funny with uh, what he likes to do. Uh with that kind of stuff too. But yeah, look, I mean from a defensive perspective it's something that the Sharks might want to exploit. I mean, Nico Hines has been terribly impressive. We haven't mentioned him in the podcast yet, but he's a very popular buy. Less so at fullback, but as a halfback option, if you've got some underperformers there, um, he's getting his hands on the ball. He's the field general. He's the goal kicker, and and everything that's positive is really happening from him. So Hines, a, a, a fantastic option if you can afford the upgrade. Yeah, and just watching him, like I've watched him the last two weeks, and he's playing both sides of the rock. He's standing quite deep and almost run, running on the ball as a second receiver a lot of the time. So. You know, not quite as as deep as what he would be when he was playing fullback, but there's a lot of similarities to the way he's approaching it. And 
I mean, uh, uh, to borrow a stat I saw on Twitter, he's getting about 60 touches a game compared to what he was getting 35-odd last year per game. So he's touching the ball so much and he loves to run the ball. And yeah, uh, I just think he's... I won't go as far as say as a must-have, but it's it's ugly watching without him. And he's one of those few players right now that are putting up massive scores um, compared to the other players around him. Yeah, totally agree. McInnes uh, getting minutes off the bench, it was good to see him back, but I think we'd want to see a lot more before he comes on the, you know, the radar for Supercoach purposes. And, and hopefully by then those bench minutes mean that he's dropped a bit in price as well, but looks to be um, you know locked into a lock role rather than... Uh, you know, Brayley at Hooker seems to have nailed that position down. So Tigers-Warriors, though, Hastings out for three weeks is a killer, failing to get that downgrade at the judiciary. Tua Lungi, again, who most of us had, is not named because of the short turnaround, but I think we can let him sit on the bench uh, for the week, anticipating he'll be back next week. Interestingly, Jacob Little's uh, back already, but Simkin's still there. Yeah, I think like it kind of makes sense. Like Little's obviously rushed back, so... It- Probably don't want to overload him and get him playing Eddie straight off that injury. And it maybe look, it's probably a smart move to kind of rotate the two hookers there. That'll, I mean, surely that means more minutes for Stefano, right? <laughs> and he played like 38 or something like that this week, which is gross. He can't get less uh, minutes, <laughs> put it that way. Well, yeah, and he's still only got 50 in week one, which is, yeah, it's not great. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I ended up going with Fanil Blake, not as he set the world on fire, but. It's better than having a headache of Stefano to have to deal with. Very true. Well, I mean, Fenua Blake's uh, opposing him this week and he's had his scores rescued by a couple of line breaks and attacking stats. We were talking off air about this. I mean, he's far from my worst problem, but he's a front row forward that I think is more reliant on attacking stats than most, right? Yeah, look, I think for, for, for him it's more just that He's always been the type of guy who needs those offloads and tackle bust to really hang at that 60, 65 average. And even like, we're not seeing that so far. He's only cracking 50s and 60s with a line break and a couple of tackle busts that come with those line breaks. So it's a little bit concerning. And that's even with Lodge, not only, I think he only played like 20 odd minutes before he chucked his guts out over the sideline. And uh, obviously, you know, there's still the shadow of Toru Harris eventually coming back soon. So. I get the feeling for Neil Black, I was hoping I'd lock and load him for the season, but he might not be there for me later in the year, unfortunately. Yeah, he's, he's about 17 on my list of team concerns right now, so I'm just going <laughs> to let, let him go there and fingers crossed. Look, he's he's playing around 13 as well, so I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to do anything with him until after the bye at least. And Curran's looking great, I think, you know, avoided that second season syndrome so far. Um, I know Lodge only played 20-odd minutes. I don't think that necessarily affects AFB, but when Tohu Harris comes back and, uh, you know, reports are he's not that far away, Curran could be the one that that suffers minutes-wise. Yeah, that's the big question, Mark, isn't it? Because, again, we saw last year there was a lot of the, you know, named at 13, playing 12 and then rotating and stuff like that between Tohu and Curran. So I wonder if that's going to happen again. At the end of the day, we just don't know. At this stage, yeah, he's looking like a great buy. I think on on my list of purchases, though, like at that kind of 500 to 600-odd range, I mean, I kind of feel like I'd rather Isaiah Yo for 80 grand less, basically. Yeah, or Olakuatu um, as well if you're chasing a little bit more upside. So, yeah, look, Curran, definitely solid start to the year, but I do worry with Tokyo Harris on the on the horizon what happens there. Rabbitohs Roosters, mate, gee... Rabbitohs coach must have been firming for first coach fired 
at around half time uh, of last <laughs> week's game, but he did make some tactical changes, which includes Milne to left centre and Paulo out on the right wing. And it was one of the things that, you know, kind of they did start to look a bit better, right? Yeah. And I think that was always the big, big question mark there because Paulo, like, never really seen him play much centre at first grade level. And nothing we'd seen so far was very convincing. And he was obviously, yeah, not doing very well and, and being picked on a bit. But yeah, quick switch in the second half and he looked more comfortable in the right wing. Tane Milne was more effective at left centre. And yeah, obviously that's where JD's gone with this week. Uh, I mean, yeah. The only other thing I was wondering though, like <laughs> the late Cam Murray switch, he got benched and then Havili started, obviously named to start again. But I mean, we might see that again, right? It, it wasn't actually a bad tactic. It seemed to work pretty well. Murray scored quite well off the bench. I know some people panicked and sold him. And they probably regretted it when he banged out his 70-odd score. And, yeah, I, I'm still not sold on the Rabbitohs. We didn't talk about Lachlan Ilias before, but he's probably one of the cheapies that we most have. Most of us have, and a lot of us probably are keen to get off, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's just not showing it right. And, you know, we thought he was a smoky for the goal kicking until Latrell returned. He didn't get that. Um, and just, I mean, I think he looked a bit more solid in his second game, and the hope for us is we just hold on to him until he gets a couple of attacking stats, wait until that's about to roll out of his three-round average and, and then move him on, I think. Yeah, the only problem is, like, I, I agree, he kind of looked a bit better in the second half, but he still only scored 17 for Supercoach, so, yeah, just not, not really getting it done, unfortunately. Totally unplayable. And and interestingly, on the other side of the matchup, you've mentioned that Crichton's been benched. Does that make Nat Butcher an option, negative 18 break-even? I think, to, like, like for a two-week punt, sure. I mean, he's got that 114 in this rolling average for two weeks. Still at 420k, like he needs to still bang out 50, 60 points per week in order to really make that worthwhile. Otherwise, he might have, if he if he goes back to the bench, for example, and then scores like 40, 45, he's only going to make like 70 grand. And I don't really think that's a, worth it. And then you'll probably play him right at that price tag. And then if he drops a 40, 45, you're not going to be happy with that either. So it's a tough one. I, I'd want to keep an eye on this because as you flagged before, there's a potential for a late swap. Um, there's also the shadow of the Satili Tupanua uh, HIA uh, protocol that he's got to go through and pass in order to play. So I, I feel like this is going to be a potential late male kind of decision. And it's still in my head because, you know, I was all set to hold Angus. But if he's actually going to come off the bench, I mean, look, we looked at the stats just before uh, recording and a couple of games in 2019 in his first season with the Roosters. And just not great, honestly. <laughs> I think he averaged about 44 minutes and scored maybe 49. So, you know, PPM-wise, actually really good. Played in the middle, but for Supercoach, just not going to get it done, not at that price tag. Yeah, and, and I totally get the fear there. Luckily, it's a Friday night game, so it's earlier in the week. But if Tupin... So it's, let's say you're set on trading Crichton out because of the bench factor... And then Wacko's late mail is that Tupanu is going to miss. Do you reverse that trade? I think, yes. If he's going to start, I will stick with him because like Angus playing 80 minutes, like he still scored 45 despite getting almost no ball last week. And, you know, we know he's got that ceiling. All it takes is one or two opportunities and he'll, he'll generate some attack. I, yeah, I do think it's going to be 
a big question mark there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is interesting for sure. Another interesting tidbit is uh, Watto's shoulder, um, an ongoing concern. Do, do you think that affects his output? I mean, his bloody dummy half service is already bad enough as it is before he got a bunk shoulder. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. Like, the, the worry is that if, if I'm understanding it right, it becomes really easy for him to discredit again, right? And if that happens mid-game, that's just going to cause all sorts of drama for the Roosters. Like, they're not exactly flush with hooking options right now, given Verrills is out as well. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going to go on there. Again, this might just be a let's just wait for late mail and then re- re- review and decide after, after that. For sure. Um, Panthers-Knights, top of the table clash. I mean, it's exciting that we get a potential premium cheapy in Taylor and May in for To'o, but we want to wait one or two weeks, right, uh, and not go early. Yeah, for me, that's I'm definitely going to wait at least one week, if not two, if I can. I mean, we obviously saw it's very easy to get injured <laughs> in this game. Uh, Sean Russell, you know, his ribs can, can can attest to that. So there's also the fact that, honestly, To'o wasn't scoring that well either. Like, he's still getting his work rate, but I think Targo being there is actually impacting that whole left side in terms of base stats and things like that. So I'd want to watch and see how Taylor May is going to go first. Yeah. Cleary named in 24. You know, Panther's pretty firm that he's going to be out for the full three weeks, which, you know, maybe he's a, a remote chance of being laid in, but I think we can bank on him, uh, you know, being a, an addition for next week. Spencer Lenu, I know Rob Sutherland was really big on him. Um, still only 33 minutes despite the injuries that they've got in the middle. Yeah, and obviously we had the late switch in the final team list. Matt Eisenhuth ended up starting. That's the way they've named it this week, so I think it'll play off like that. Just, yeah, don't get sucked into Lenu. He only played 33 minutes and scored 34 points in base base attack. He scored well last week, but that's because he's got to try with the line break. So, yeah, I wouldn't stress there. Um I- so obviously James Fisher-Harris has been named for this game, so it's just a matter of whether he actually plays. Um, there's a bit of a question mark there for that shoulder, so we'll have to see. I'd be surprised if he does play. Isaiah, yeah, I've mentioned him plenty in the podcast. I, I, I think in a week where there's no one player that's screaming that you know needs to be purchased, I think he's one of the absolute best buyers, I think, Um Again, Supercoach, you know, is changing again and with that reversion back to base, um, and I think he's about as good as it gets and at 503K, I, I think he's, uh, you know, not a must. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, kind of BB plus options for this week as trade-ins, but I think he's at the top of the list for mine. Leo Thompson, you've mentioned 175K, front row. If you've got the Kings um, as your cheapies uh, on, in the front row, then don't look at him. But if you've got a Mamacia, if you've got, you know, any other kind of front row uh, cheapies there, you want to look at him, don't you? Yeah, I definitely think he's a better option now. Clemmer uh, potentially gone for a couple of weeks as well. That job security is helpful. I mean, Suasu Su is floating around the extended bench. He's back from suspension now. But, yeah, also with Fitzgibbon out and Barnett being the one who's filling his spot. Sorry, who's out? Uh, uh, Fitzniven, sorry. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, yeah, so Barnett was in the prop rotation previously. Now he's onto the edge. So I think that will probably help Leo Thompson's minutes as well as his job security. So, yeah, I, I definitely think he's viable. If you need a downgrade and you don't have the Kings already, I, I'd look his way. 
All right, so my favourite player in the game, in the Storm Eels, uh, Harry Grant, was named, tested positive uh, for COVID almost straight after, so he won't make the, t- uh, the team this week. Tyron Wishart, and I didn't know this, um, apparently lives with him, and so will be a close contact. So, so what's going to happen there? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. And that's just rumours that I've been kind of reading up on, but it seems like it's legit. They do, they do live together, apparently, so... Yeah, I mean, Jaden Nicarima was training at hooker. Uh, we know Kenny Bromwich played hooker for New Zealand a couple of years back. It's, it's a fair few years ago now, actually. Yeah. I, I assume Nick Meany would have trained there as he trained and prepared for his utility role. How, de- how dare you? <laughs> I thought you were about to talk about Nick Meany when you were, talk- when you were mentioning your favourite player in the game. Oh, the wounds are too fresh. <laughs> yeah, look, I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, Bronson Garlic is also... A bit of a back roller slash hooker, you know that whole Ryan Hinchcliffe type mold. So he's floating around on the extended bench, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's not there, is he? I don't think so. But not. Uh, look, he, he may come in um, as the replacement if, especially if Grant and Wishart both uh, ruled out through COVID. I think he'll be allowed to be added to the extended day squad, and that may obviously lead to yeah him playing hooker. So it's an interesting situation they'll have to figure out. I honestly don't know what they do. And you mentioned Cheese being on the extended bench. Surely he's not coming back from a broken hand that quick. No, I can't imagine. He, you've got to think he's at least another two weeks away, which good for Josh King owners. And I, I think part of it is that at the moment just Melbourne's depth isn't there. They've got quite a few uh, players that would be in the, on the extended bench that are out as well. So over on the eel side, You've got Dillbags. He does benefit with the coach's son dropped, but I'm not sure there's a long-term play, is he? Yeah, look, I, I'm celebrating. I was close to trading him out last week when the moment I saw Jake Arthur added back to the 17, but thankfully the game was close and he stayed off the field and Dylan Brown had a great game. So maybe Brad Arthur l- listened, but there's a rumour apparently Jake Arthur may have gone for surgery or some sort like appendicitis or something like that. I don't know. Some, something floating out there. So it may not be actually being dropped, unfortunately. Hmm. Would have been an awkward conversation at home. Yeah, it definitely would have been. I'm not imagining that there's too much else of particular interest in Parramatta. Isaiah Papali is getting the job done um, with a low 60s average, but... At 688k, that's that's a heck of a price to pay for someone who doesn't seem to be intimidating the ceiling uh, with the new scoring trends as what he did last year. Raiders Titans, mate. Schneider's back, which is great for all of us. I think he's a, a viable play for the 17 this week. I get that feeling too, and I currently have him as one of my four reserves, but I'm not sure. I, I definitely am not sure. Uh, my, my reserve choices the last few weeks have... Uh, my, my confidence is rocked. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Ruppin is back, which is, you know, good for the Raiders who are, you know, I think they've been very, very poor. Uh, Starling, he was someone you brought in, got a bit of luck, uh, luck with the, the Hodgson injury. Okay, you've got him, so you're not moving him on, but do you recommend him as a buy? Not yet. I'd definitely watch a week. And yeah, look, you know, break even 27. So he's not going to skyrocket in price. That's the one thing. So I probably want to wait and see. I think like he, he only got like 57 minutes last week. But to be fair, they were playing in Townsville. It's quite hot and humid, obviously, much, much hotter than what they're used to down in Canberra. So this game is back in Canberra, you know, 6.30 in the evening or maybe 7.30 with daylight savings, whatever. 
I, I just think, yeah, he's going to go back to decent minutes. And Frawley's the bench hooker, effectively. And I don't know. I just don't rate Matt Frawley. Yeah, yeah. look, he's terrible. And, and the less said about him, the better. Over on the Titans side, mate, obviously the bombshell news of Jermaine Azarko spurning Parramatta at the last second and going to the Titans. I mean, that can't make anyone who's got shares in the Titans outside back feel good. I honestly think he's just there as fullback depth because if Jaden Campbell goes down injured, like I don't think they want to, they don't, they don't want to move Brimson. And I mean, does Sammy play fullback? Does Corey Thompson play fullback? Corey, Corey, Obviously he's, Corey Thompson play fullback, I think. But he's injured right now. So yeah. I, I just think like looking at their squad, I mean, Will Smith could play fullback potentially, but yeah, Asako gives him cover for fullback. He's probably a better pick than most of those other options. And I guess he'll be the fourth string winger behind you know, Thompson, Sammy, and Greg Marshu. Cra- crazy that you'd move clubs for that, particularly with a wing spot there for the taking uh, and a coveted left wing spot uh, for the Eels as well. You know, you've got to think that even though Azarko is so mistake prone that he's got to be a better option than Wonga Blake. So you would imagine for him to change his mind at the last minute, the Titans must have given him some kind of promise. I kind of think he just wanted to stay in Queensland. I get it. Like he's going to be at the Dolphins next year, so he's not going to move. Probably didn't want to be away from his family. I know he's got a young kid, uh, so that might have just been it, honestly. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it doesn't speak much for his ambition, uh, and I'm not sure that Dolphins fans would particularly be enthused by that. But uh, his old team, the Broncos, it's you know the old school Queensland derby up against the Cowboys. Um, Nanai disappointed me as he did you. Um, negative nineteen. In uh, in negative stats last week, I was blown away even with a try he scored so poorly. Yeah, I mean, 11 missed tackles is like, missed tackles hurt, right? Because normally when you make a tackle, you get one point. But when you miss it, you miss the point you're going to get, plus you get a negative one. So really, it's costing you two points every time you miss a tackle. So look, I don't think Nana is that bad normally. He obviously didn't have a great game, and I think he'll be the first to put up his hand and admit that. There was a few of those errors where it was not a great pass from Chad Townsend, a better pass at his hands or in front of him may have led to Nanai holding the ball and actually going through the line and scoring. Like they were in good areas a lot of the time. You're so, clutching at straws if you're talking about the quality of a Chad Townsend pass <laughs> as it relates to Nanai's super coach output, mate. Like pump the brakes, eh? I'm just saying, look, he, he could have scored a lot better than it looked and, you know, a potential line break, tackle bus, tackle bus try became a neg two instead. So... I think, you know, I, I wouldn't rush and sell him and he's obviously got a low break even, but I look the talent's there. I think he's gonna be fine and they won still, so that probably uh is good for his job security. So I, I wouldn't panic if I if I was you know, if I was a nano owner. Yeah. Uh Tamalolo I think's a hold if you've got him, but in the price bracket again, we've talked enough about his AEO, but they're you know, they're largely the same price. So a far better option if you're looking for a buy at the high fours, low 500Ks. Over the Broncos, mate, um, it took the game of Herbie Farnworth's life to beat my dogs. Um, <laughs> they went left at every bloody opportunity, and I played Stags and Cobbo. They might as well have caught the flu out on the right side, mate. Do you, do you think that holds again? Look, I, I would. I mean, if you have them, I wouldn't jump off yet. The re- reality is, is because Tony Stags should have scored 60-65 that game. Like, the number of times he drops that pass... Uh, and, you know, fails to score uh, <laughs> over the line the way he did is 
99 times out of 100, he's scoring that. It was pretty sloppy, though. It doesn't speak well of him that he that he dropped that. I just think he was excited. Like, you know, it's that whole Justin Hodges type of tribute, right? It's a great pass from Adam Reynolds there. Uh, flashbacks to, to uh, Justin Hodges doing that multiple times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I just – look, I've got Stags too, and his output's been appalling. But it kind of affected Cobo as well. So, look, I think the the – the the left side is the best side to attack the Cowboys, left side defence. So hopefully they go right a little bit more um, there. Otherwise, Payne Haas is now, I think, a viable captaincy option with uh, the increase in base. Yeah, it's hard to argue, right? Because he would have been a very safe option last week. Sure, he didn't quite go as well as the 91. But, I mean, 67, I mean, I would have been happy with that. I scored 54 from my captain and... I think like 34 round one. So give me Payne Haas' 60, 70 score every week. I'll be happy with that. As I said last week, 60 is the new 100, I think, mate. Um, finishing up the week, it's the Cellar Dwellers. No, not the Bulldogs. Their opponents, the Sea Eagles. Plenty to talk about from a super coach perspective here. It's not just about Turbo. There's there's quite a few guys that, that are on the radar. Yeah, I mean, look, we kind of talked about Turbo. It's turbo time. It's not turbo time. It's time to sell him. Look, Ethan Bullimore, I know, was really hop- popular. There was question marks when he got hooked uh, or, or whether he was injured. He only played 30-odd minutes. Apparently, he wasn't injured. Uh, so he just actually got hooked. And I think Andrew David actually outplayed him off the bench. So I don't know. I mean, that's on us um, if Andrew Davies outplaying him. Oh, look, Davies, Davey, I thought, was quite exciting um, when, when he got his shot and then Unfortunately, did his ACL, but yeah, look, it's not a great sign that Davy two games back from his ACL is out playing Bullimore on an edge. Yeah, for sure. Guac's a, a viable option as a buy this week as well. Yeah, I mean, round one coming back so soon from that injury, like he missed a lot of tackles, and again, like I said, every time you miss a tackle, it's two points down the down the gurgler instead of you know getting a point for your tackle. He was much better round two. Hardly missed any tackles. I think he only missed one. So. Yeah, that came with a rise in his base and base attack. So there might be some attacking stats on on the horizon with the fairly friendly draw for the Seagulls. It's just, can you actually trust them? They haven't shown very much so far. No, they have been pretty poor, but the opposite of poor, I mean, how good is it to watch Matt Burton kick, like in general play? Like uh, that was actually, I think, one of the most exciting things about the game of the round was just the anticipation in the crowd for what the hell this guy was going to do to the poor fullback. Yeah, poor Tessie knew. Yeah, Tessie, Tessie's questionable under the high ball at the best of times, and he did not enjoy having a look at some of those spiral bombs coming down from Burton. But yeah, that he has one hell of a boot, that's for sure. Yeah, so look, he's obviously the dominant half uh, in the Bulldogs' attack. I do think that, you know, despite them playing well in the first couple of weeks, I think it's more defensive effort largely. I do wonder that that the Bulldogs have enough points in them to make Burton, who, you know, obviously has, you know, Price in his Panthers days at the moment as a worthwhile option at the position. I think, you know, you want to look at the Munsters and, and stuff like that alternatively. But but he does make uh, or help make some other players on the Bulldogs um, super coach relevant. Pangai played mostly middle, but we're anticipating that, you know, he might play left edge this week. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? He was obviously named there, then final team list ended up moving to prop. And Corey Waddell, I thought, actually did all right, surprisingly. So who knows if Trent Barrett's going to, you know, big brain it again and, and decide Pangai will be more effective. But he had seven offloads. It's just 
he's an offloading beast. I don't think he had he had hardly any runs where he didn't look for the offload and actually get one off. And most of them are effective too. Just I miss him. Come back, Pangai. There's honestly there's few more exciting things in the game than Pangai when he's rose in on an opponent. You know, we've seen what he's done to the likes of Tamalolo in the past and, and he, he I mean, look, I don't think it's a coincidence that when he was coming on for his second stint, Payne Haas got hooked immediately. Because oh, come on. because <laughs> Pan- Pangai was physically dominating him and it was only when Pangai wasn't on the field that Haas started stepping up. I, I think Haas went off for his normal, you know, spell at the normal time. So I wouldn't read too much into that one. <laughs> Hooked immediately when he saw him on the... Uh, and i tell you what, who is interesting. Look, I think he's a, a really mediocre hooker, but Jeremy Marshall King is actually braining it as an 80-minute hooker um, or close enough to 80 minutes with um, Beyond Odo coming on towards the end. Uh, they're doing very well for, for base stats. It's kind of... Crazy, right? He's actually the 10th highest point scorer this season so far. I know it's only two rounds, but you didn't expect his name to be anywhere near the top 10. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, obviously, he got, uh, he, he got the attacking stats last week, which inflates it. But 427K, minus nine break even. It's a very brave uh, player that wants to bring him in as an option. But with Harry Grant out, if you've got problems at hooker, I don't know, is, is he a crazy smoky at 1.1% ownership? I don't he's mind. Got job, he's got cash. job security. Two week cash grab. That could be it. You know, he's got a negative break even. So I don't mind it. Like you might that that might give you another week to watch Harry Grant to see. You know, does is there any lingering effects of COVID from when he comes back? Like I don't know. It, it's there, there's there's crazier options and the way the season's going. Look, he might that, that might be the, the the genius move that you actually need to make. Yeah, God knows. I mean, there could be the I say a Papali'i of 2022, right? Um, but I do think it probably shows a, a flagrant disregard for the value of a trade. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, if you bring in, yeah, so I already said Tom Starling was going to be the Isaiah Papali'i of 2022. So he's already started, and he's starting for the rest of the season now. So yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I think that's a did game, Isaiah? Did Isaiah Papali ever score as badly as Tom Starling did on the weekend? Uh, probably pretty pretty close, right? At the end of the season when he's playing prop, <laughs> maybe. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Let's let's move on. No, 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 no. Let me slow it right down for you, Will. <laughs> let's let's bet. I think Jeremy Marshall King has a higher average per game at the end of the year than Tom Starling. All right, I'll take that on. All right, brilliant. Mark it down, boys. We will revisit that later on in the season. Definitely. All right, let's let's that's enough chat. Let's look at Swish for this week. If you are what you say you are a superstar, then have no fear. The camera's here. All right, so obviously no one guessed Nat Butcher's 114 would be the highest score of round two, but we did have two savvy selectors who picked Greg Marju as the second uh, as the highest scorer, and he was on 102 as the second highest scorer for this week. So well done to both Mark Yornan and at Razor Ramon, who both guessed Marzu, but Razor was a little bit closer with 110. So yeah, slide into my DMs, I'll hook you up with the code. Uh, that's 50 bucks from Swish to use as you see fit. Um, look, it's really easy to enter. All you got to do is reply to our tweet each week. So find us on Twitter. So you make sure you've got a, a Twitter account. That's at NRLSC underscore champions. We send out a tweet every Thursday. You just got to reply to that tweet before the end of, uh, before kickoff rather, uh, for that Thursday night. 
with the name of your player and the predicted score for the round. So, look, last week we did a little bit better, not as bad as round one. Uh, so Tim went with David Fafita, who scored 54. I went with Ryan Pappenhausen, who scored 51. And you actually get a point for picking Tavita Pangai, who Ooh, scored yeah. 67, <laughs> which, again, is better. So fair enough. So that's you and Tim on one point each and me <laughs> losing it uh, on zero, but it's only two rounds so far. So I'm sure I'll catch up at some point. You do have the benefit, though, of getting to choose first this week, mate. So the, the, the floor is yours. Oh, this is. I don't want to choose first this week. <laughs> I'm going to follow the hot hand, Nico Hines for 97. That's a really good shout. And for all our talk of of base being back, you know, this swish competition is all about ceiling. Uh, and I think the Tigers are the worst team in the comp by the length of the straight. The Warriors aren't great, but I think Reese Walsh will tear them up to the tune of 117 points. So you're predicting a season high score from Reese Walsh. I am because he's playing the season's worst team. <laughs> without Jackson Hastings too. Oh, yeah, without Jackson Hastings. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the Tigers are bad. A lot's been in the press about how bad they are and, and all that different situation. But um, they are a club that when the going is is tough, they don't aim up, and I think heads will drop if if the Warriors score early, and and then it could be a cricket score after that. Fair enough, and I just realised actually Ravalawa actually is the season high score at one hundred nineteen. So my bad, sorry, Michaeli, showing you did that disrespect there. But we've got to thank Swish. Uh, they are changing the way fans interact with athletes. They've got a, over a thousand athletes across Australia and New Zealand. That includes over two hundred NRL stars, including the likes of Nathan Cleary, Tommy Turbo. James Tedesco, Ryan Pappenhausen. 20% of all proceeds are donated between Starlight and Variety, which are a selection of children's charities. Swish, they are the leading personalized, personalized videos platform in Australia. It's a really easy, quick, unique gift. Uh, it's a really simple process. And honestly, again, I haven't seen a single person that didn't love their Swish. You can get a, uh, a 10% off using the promo code CHAMP, C-H-A-M-P. So yeah, definitely get involved. Find them at heyswish.com or at Swish, S-W. Y-S-H on all the various socials. All right, so that's our Swish Supercoach Star Predictions of the Week. Uh, let's just have a quick update on our Champions Group competition. So right now we've got Oscar, the coach of Ray Stone, in the lead, ranked 82nd overall. They're obviously in the running for our grand prize of 500 bucks for first. That's courtesy of our friends at Tyler Maid, who stand for excellence in wall and floor tiles. And in second prize, sorry, in second place, we currently have Corey, coach of Not So Lucky Sings. Uh, rest in peace, Lucky Sing. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a tribute! <laughs> so, for those who aren't aware of who Lucky Sing is, um, you know, just a, a famous name in all the Facebook NRL Supercoach groups. Uh, so, yeah, uh, currently in 254th. So, Corey is front runner for that $200 voucher to use at nrlshop.com. Now, Oscar and Corey, I think neither of those are champions, none of our Patreon subscribers, so they don't qualify for our bonus 500 bucks that we're putting up for our highest-ranked champ. So, again, if you want to get involved with that, patreon.com slash supercoachchampions. Make sure you're in the group before the end of round five, otherwise you won't qualify for that bonus 500 bucks. And so the Discord's got the champs Discord has the best game day chat going around. So it's always uh, always a good laugh and uh, and a companion to watching the games. Definitely. A lot of lot of meltdowns. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> part of it, isn't it? Yeah. 
we really have to thank the team at Tailor for their generosity in donating our prize of 500 bucks. They are family-owned run business from Brisbane. Tailor they have a team of tile specialists who pride themselves on their honest pricing with no hidden fees and premium customer service. They'll take good care of you in person or you can buy online at www.tylermade.com.au and can deliver it to anywhere in Australia if they, if they need to. So if you are thinking about any new tiles, tools or anything in between, contact the team at Tyler Made and make sure you let them know you heard about them through the Champions podcast. So, well, obviously some great chat. It is one of the more important trading weeks of the year. Uh, the prices are changing. Most people I know are using the trade boost. So get trading, guys. Have a fantastic week. Get on the Patreon and, and jump in the Discord. Wolf and I are there all the time. And just make sure to review and subscribe to the podcast. And we will see you next week. Catches. Catches.